Today I went by to the place where I used to go, and I saw the same old crowd that I used to know. And when they asked me what had happened, I tried to tell them, praise God, thanks to Calvary, I don't come here anymore. Thanks to Calvary, I'm not the one I used to be. Thanks to Calvary, I'm different than before. And as the cheers ran down my face, I tried to tell Down my 
These are the days of Elijah declaring the word of the Lord. And these are the days of your servant Moses, righteousness being restored. And though these are days of great trial, of famine and darkness and sore, still we are the voice in the desert crying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Behold, he comes, riding on a cloud, shining like the sun, at the trumpet call, lift your voice, it's the year of Jubilee, and out of Zion shield your servant David rebuilding the temple of praise and these are the days of the harvest your fields are as white in your world and we are the laborers in your vineyard declaring the word of the Lord behold he comes riding on a cloud Shining like the sun, have the trumpet call, lift your voice, it's the year of Jubilee, and out of science till salvation. Jehovah, there's no God like 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 Jehovah, behold he comes, riding on a cloud, shining like the sun, at the trumpet call, just lift your voice, it's a year of jubilee. Jehovah, there's no God but Jehovah, there's no God but Jehovah, there's no God but Jehovah. 
the soul you remain in control in the middle of the war you guard my soul you alone are the anchor when my sails are torn your love surrounds me in the eye of the storm When the solid ground is falling out from underneath my feet Between the black skies and my red eyes I can barely see And when I realize I've been let down by my friends and my family I can hear the rain reminding me In the eye of the soul you remain in control in the middle of the war. You guard my soul. You alone are the anchor when my sails are torn. Your love surrounds me in the eye of the storm. My hopes and dreams are far from me, and I'm running out of faith. See the future, I picture, slowly fade away. And when the tears and pain of heartache are pouring down my face, I find my peace in Jesus' name. In the eye of the storm, in the eye of the storm. you remain in control. You remain in control. Yeah. In the middle of the war. just don't know how I'm gonna make ends meet. I did my best, now I'm scared to death that we might lose everything. And when the sickness takes my child away, there's nothing I can do. I only hope and trust in you. I trust you, Lord. and dreams are far from me and you're running out of faith. I see the future, I picture, slowly fade away. And when the tears and pain and heartache are pouring down my face, I find my peace in Jesus' name. In the eye of the storm, you remain in control.
In the middle of a war, you guard my soul. You alone are the anchor when my sails are torn. Your love surrounds me in the eye of the
to walk through chilly Jordan to enter into rest. But I did say I'd be waiting right on the other side. And I did say I'll try every good. I see the, listen to the uh, singers singing. I just think they're getting better all the time. I know it's God's presence upon them. But I'm watching our younger. It seems like they just get stronger and stronger in their message and their voices and clearer. And I praise God for them. God is here. God is true. And I praise him for showing up. You know what? It ain't it's important that we show up, 
but it's greater importance that he shows. And I praise him for his presence. I want to recognize my brother Tom right here. This is Duran and Destel's older sister, Patty, and it's her husband, Tom. He just got saved last week. Isn't that beautiful? Praise God. We've been praying for him, and I'm just so proud of him. It just, he's got a different look on his face. He's got a shine on it. And I love God, and I thank him for what he does. He, there's not a one of us that didn't come the same way. You know what? We all had to come to the place where we knew we needed Savior. We knew we needed a Savior. And Jesus spoke our name, and I'm, I praise him that he's still in the saving business. I want you to turn, if you've got your Bible, I know it's late and I'm not going to spend a long time, but I want you to turn with your Bible to the first family in the Bible. Now, I don't know if that's confusing to you. I'm not talking about the White House. I'm talking about the first family. And I want to first, uh, I'm going to separate that between today, this morning and tonight, but I'm going to talk to you first about Adam and Eve in the third chapter. And, uh, God laid this on my heart, and I've been wrestling with it. You know, sometimes when you read something, you think, wow, that's something I've read a thousand times. But then you read it, and all of a sudden, you begin to build on it. You begin to feel like God's speaking to you. So I'm going to read something, but I want to not start until about the 11th verse of the third chapter. You know the story. This is where... Adam and Eve's in the garden. God told them you can eat of the, uh, the one tree, or eat all of the trees, but except for the one. He put one restriction upon them. You know, if God only told us there's only one thing you can't do, we'd all fall into it. Now, you don't just look at Adam and Eve and blame them. Don't look at them and put them down for what we live in because this has been carried on through the generations since Adam and Eve. Now, our young people uh, gone to school. I don't even think the teachers teach creation. They don't teach that Adam and Eve were the first. So, you know, we're just going to have to accept what God's word says. But I want you to listen to this. It's talking about the fall of mankind. And it says, the Lord, in the 11th verse, it's, the Lord said, Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou should not as eat? How many knows? When they sinned, I know you're going to hear what happened. But when they sinned, Adam was not the one that was deceived, but it was Eve. Now, you know, women don't get upset at me. I'm going to straighten this out. But Adam was not the one deceived, but yet at the same time, Adam was the one that God said... Thou shalt not eat of this tree. And his wife knew it. So he did his job of telling her, but he didn't do his job of standing up against her. He did not stand up on God's word. I mean, here's what I'm telling you. You know what? When we, as men of God, don't stand up to our wives or our families or this nation, when, we just, when they, everybody's got an idea of how they want to do their life, and God spoke to you as a man of God and says, don't go there. Sometimes I say that even to my wife. Don't, don't, don't step on that because I can't go no other way. You want to bargain, I don't want to bargain. I have to do what God says no matter what. And that does not mean I'm some ego man that has to have it his way. 
Ain't got nothing to do with that. But I got an accountability and a responsibility. And I'll say this before I ever get any farther. If women want the men's jobs and women wants the authority, look out because you might get the judgment that goes with it. Because God has put the man there and he's going to be responsible because like DJ always says, that's God's design. He designed it. I didn't design it. You can get mad about it. You can erase it. But the truth is, it's what God's word teaches. And you'll find that out through this. But look at verse 12. It says, and the man said, talking back to God, he said, the woman whom thou gavest to me to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. How many knows? He threw the blame on. Wasn't me, it was that woman you gave me. It was that woman that you gave me. I mean, here's what I'm saying. He's not only blaming the woman, but he's also blaming God. God, why'd you give me that kind of woman? Now, he called her woe man, so I mean, there's, she had to be looking pretty good when he first got her, but some reason or other, things turned around. In verse 13, and the Lord God said to the woman, God didn't argue with him. God didn't debate him. How many knows this is like the first court case you ever saw? The first people. This is the first trial that's going to go on because God has called them out on what's going on. What are you doing hiding back there? Why are you hiding from me? He says, because we knew we were naked. <clears throat> Have you eaten of the tree that I told you not to eat? That's what God said to him. Look at what he says in verse 13. Lord God said to the woman, what is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, the serpent. She blamed it on the serpent. The serpent beguiled me and I did eat. What does beguiled mean? It means deceived. Jeannie gave a message just a little while ago talking about the deception that's going on in our country. It's going on all over. Do you know the devil's still playing the same tricks he played in the Garden of Eden? He's deceiving people. They don't see what God wants because they're too busy listening to what the world says do. Amen. Get the experts out. We'll decide what, whatever science tells us when they want to use science. He, she puts it off. The serpent beguiled me. It means he deceived by cunning ways. And I did eat. Then God just turned and he looked at the serpent. And the Lord God said to the serpent, because thou hast done this, listen to this, this is the cost of sin. And I want you to understand it because we're living it. Sometimes we ignore it. Sometimes we just think we just happened here because of our parents. But I want you to know something other. God made this way. And we're in it. And if you go back and listen to what God says when he made us, when he designed us, you'll find out what God requires of you to walk. But he says here, and the Lord God said to the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust thou shalt eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, this is verse 15. And between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now, God's speaking to the serpent in the 14. But if you'll notice what he's saying about the seed, 
it wasn't that woman would go around stepping on snakes all her life. That ain't how this is about. See, it turns to Satan that's in the serpent. Satan that got involved in it. Satan that wanted to deceive mankind. He wanted to deceive God's creation. And that's what's happening here. And unto the woman, he, he just got done cursing the, uh, um, the serpent and talking about the seed. That is, this 15th verse is basically the first prophetic seed. When you're talking about the seed of the woman, you're talking about Christ coming. When you talk about the seed of Satan, you're talking about evil people that's trying to wipe out Christ coming. I mean, you can read it all through the Bible. They worked and worked at stopping the bloodline because they wanted not the Savior to come, the Messiah that has been predicted to come and to save the world. Look at verse 16. And unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. And thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Boy, I hate to read that. <laughs> Aren't that hard to read? Because I can tell you right now, you can rub every woman wrong to say it, stuff like that. There ain't no man ruling over me. But that's what the curse that God put up. This was the punishment for the woman, what she did. Listen to what I'm telling you. It says, with great sorrow, great I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow you'll bring forth children. Now I want to tell you something, mother. I ain't never been pregnant. But I can tell you now, watching my wife, I didn't want to be pregnant. She beat the walls. I even had a nurse to tell me, if you don't quiet your wife down, I'm going to have to put her in a private room. And I just looked at her like, you got to be kidding I'm 19 years old. I ain't never been through this before in my life. I don't care where you put her. I can't handle what you do. She's punching the walls and having a fit. And I just stayed my, kept my distance because I figured I'd be the first one to get choked. But her sorrow and her pain was there. How many knows what I'm talking about? And you know what? I don't know what it was like before then. You know what, if they never had children before they failed, but the truth is, it should have been an easy deal. I, I can't explain it. I can't even imagine it. But it, it, wasn't, a, it wasn't the great sorrow that, you, that they go through today. And then it says, Thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Let me see if I should read this. Look at verse 17. And unto Adam he said, Because thou, now he's turned to Adam, and because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow thou shalt eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground. 
for out of it was thou taken, and for dust thou art, and to dust thou shalt return. How many knows? God told him, he told Adam, the day that you eat the tree of, you shall die. Well, he just proclaimed what he said. He said, you're going to return to the dust. You're going to strive to get the ground to grow your crops, and you're going to work by the sweat of your brow all of your life, and you're going to work for this, and yet, through it all, you're still going to die. I mean, here's what I'm saying. God's not playing with sin. God's as serious about sin today as he was then. In back in verse 12, when he said, The man said, Woman, the woman that thou gave me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. In Proverbs 28, 13, it says, He that covers his sin shall not prosper, but whosoever confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. He'd have been better off not to put it off on his wife. I mean, here's what I'm saying. He'd have been better off to say, You know what, God? I did eat of it. I knew it was wrong. I did it anyway. He'd have been better off to confess as the man than to put it off on somebody else. We don't confess today. We don't want nobody to tell us we're a sinner. Don't tell me I'm doing any work. I'm as good as the next guy. I ain't got no more sins than half them people to go to church. I know. We make excuses. But he knows what God said to him. Don't cover your sin. You'll never prosper covering your sin. I mean, here's what I'm saying. You know what? You can hide that sin. You can tuck it under your coat. You can wear the nicest clothes, put on the nicest face, be the nicest smile, have the nicest words. But I'm going to tell you something. God knows what's going on in here. Don't cover your sin. Don't hide your sin from God. He says if you'll confess and forsake them, he'll have mercy upon you. Praise God. Now look at verse 13 again. The Lord told, said to the woman, What hast thou done? The woman and serpent beguiled me. Listen to verse in 2 Corinthians in the New Testament. Uh, Paul writing to the Corinthians in verse 3. He said, But I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, that means his trickery or his craftiness, so your mind shall be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Now see, Paul's trying to warn the church. This gospel symptom, you take your sins and bring them to God. And he'll forgive you and he'll save you and he'll keep you the rest of your life if you'll let him. If you'll stay with him and you'll desire to know him. You know what, when I first got saved, I didn't know nothing. I'd been raised in church and I still do nothing. And every time somebody would give me a job, I'd think that's way over my head. I can't teach. I can't sing. I can't stand in front of people. I can't do nothing. But God was constantly, if I want to live for God, God's constantly telling me, stand in there and do that. Stand in there just a little bit at a time until he worked on you. Until he got me, this old man, to surrender. Lord, I don't care what they think. I love you. I praise your name. I ain't ashamed to say I was lost, but now I'm found. See, we got we got to break out of this this hiding.
behind somebody. Hide, you can't hide behind your parents. You can't hide behind nobody. You need Christ yourself because you need victory yourself. Now I want you to look at verse 16 again. And to the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and conception and sorrow. I shall bring forth children. I've done read this, but I want you to hear it. I want you to hear what he said in Isaiah 26, 17. Like a woman with child that draws near to the time of her delivery is in pain and cries out in her pains. How many, I don't know if you're reading that, but listen to me. Pain and pains are two different words. The pain is P-A-I-N. The pains is P-A-N-G-S. And what was funny is when I looked up the pains, the P-A-N-G-S, guess what it says? Those short, sharp pains. And I thought, if that ain't, if that ain't what went on with my wife, something was going on. Sharp pains. Sharp pains. There was constantly sharp pains. In 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 11.3, it says, But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. I know you don't want to hear this, but I'm going to read it. It says, Wives, submit yourself to your husbands as unto the Lord. Now, I, I know you've got to understand, there's a whole lot more scriptures I can read. 1 Timothy 2, 13 through 15, if you'll read it, you'll find out. God is getting, and this is New Testament stuff, but God is trying to tell you fathers and you husbands and you men that you're supposed to lead your family. You're supposed to rise up and say, guess what? It's Sunday, we're going to church. Guess what on Saturday night? We're going to bed so we can get up and go to church. It ain't about your appearance in the church house. But it is about being faithful to what God says to do. Husbands need to speak up. I have listened and watched sometimes women involved in what's going on in, the, in our Congress, what's going on in the schools, and I wonder if I, and I hate to say this, God forgive me, I know this is on podcast, but can I tell you something? When I look at our vice president, I think to myself, doesn't she have a husband to tell her to shut up? Get in your place, back up, and stand back. You don't need to be saying the things you're saying. And I know she don't talk much now. But some of the things I hear come out of people's And I think to myself, look out, because you don't want the responsibility of a man's place. You think you want his place, but you don't want his responsibility. You don't want the judgment that God's going to bring. You don't want the correction that God's going to bring. I know this is like a meddling thing, but I can't help it. It's a part of it. In verse 17, I want to go over that again. He said unto Adam, Because thou hast hearkened to thy wife, and eat of the tree, of the, and which I commanded, and thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow thou shalt eat of the days all, all thy life. In in 1 Samuel 15, it says, For rebellion is a, is a sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is, iniquity, is as iniquity and idolatry, because, listen to this, because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord. This is, this is Samuel talking to Saul. What's he telling him? 
because you have rejected the word of the Lord. How many knows that's exactly what Adam did? God held Adam accountable because Adam knew exactly what God said. Adam, thou shalt not eat of that tree. But he did. What excuse is he given? You know America's given a thousand excuses why we don't do what's right. We're given a thousand excuses why we can't stop what's going on in our, in our schools. Why we can't stop what's going on in our government. We have a thousand excuses. God says, Christian men, pray. And Christian men, stand up and speak the truth. You know what? I'm sorry. I have to tell it. If I tell it to my wife, she may be a whole lot better speaker than me. She may be able to do more than I can ever do. But if I don't speak to her, how is she going to have that in her? How is our family as a unit of one going to stand up for God and go forward? When you hear somebody arguing with you, a wife or a husband, some of you women, you talk to each other. When you hear them saying this or you say it, don't you know that part of what they're saying comes from their husband? Wow. You know part of what I say sometimes comes from my wife. So blame her. <laughs> but the truth is, we learn from each other because God made us one. And we're, we've really got the same mind. We're trying our best as we've lived 48 years together. We're trying our best to walk together for God. So when she hears from God, I want to hear what God says to her. I'm no better than her. But I need the intake of everything that God's given. You, you as a couple need that. Okay. Romans 8, 20. This is part of verse 17 up there. Talking about Adam. He says, for the creature was made subject to vanity. Romans 8, 20. For the creature, which is creation, was made subject to vanity. That means vain and empty. Not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. God made the whole earth not to be the blessed place that we, he had originally made it for. No, it was under a curse because of the sin that entered in. How many sees that? You know what? We, I don't think there was thorns. I don't know if roses had thorns or not. I don't think they did. Because the Bible says here that thorns and thistles, in verse 18 up there, thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. There's some, there's some downsizing went on. There's some things that happened. It says, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. We got a down payment of the Spirit in us. You know that? You don't always walk around with the Spirit of God just floating all over you. But sometimes when he comes, I know I couldn't handle his presence all the time. But when he's there, oh, it's bigger than I am. It's greater than anything I think. It's greater than anything I've ever felt. It's the presence of God that enters in and loves on me, forgives me, gives me grace to go forward. 
He's going to turn that first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of the body. We're waiting for that rapture to come up and get a new body. Praise God. I don't know if you're going to look the same or not. You probably look better. Praise God. But it says there that we know that a whole creation groans and travails. And when I read that before, I thought to myself, you, I've said this before. You ever see a dog when he just shakes? He's trying to shake the scratches or the itches on him. He's trying to shake and he's constantly trying to scratch. I think the world is shaking things. Why? Because sin's living on him. The very land that God gave us, the very blessed place that God gave us that we could live for him and live in blessings and pleasures and joy. We have brought sin into the midst of it. And sin is so destructive, it's destroying even our lands. And the land itself is groaning within itself, waiting for the redemption, waiting for the presence of the Savior, waiting for the restoring. Praise God. When I was young, I didn't seem to need restoring. But now I need restoring. I got up today, my back's killing me. My knees hurt. My fingers hurt. My joints hurt. And I think, oh Lord, I need a new body. Don't you know that we're, we're walking toward the new body? Yeah. We're walking to the restoring that God has promised us through his son. Praise God. In Ecclesiastes 2.23, For what hath man of all of his labors and of all of the vexation, which is longing and desires, of his heart, wherein he hath labored under the sun, for all his days are sorrows and his travail grief, Yea, his heart takes not rest in the night. This is also vanity. This is, this is uh, Solomon talking. And he's saying, all that you work your whole life for. Some work to save the biggest amount of money. They invest in all kinds of things, and they're so filthy rich that they can't take one nickel with them. They can't put it in their pocket and take it with them. It ain't going to show up. You know what? Your only treasure you got's in him. Only treasure worth having is him. He is the blessing of life. Lord supplies for man. In verse uh, the 104th Psalm, 14th verse. It says, he causes the grass to grow for cattle and herb for the service of man. That he may bring forth food. Out of the earth. Why did I read that? Because it's talking about the thorns and the thistles. And it talks about, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. You know, all, all Adam and Eve had to do is go up and pick the fruit. Eve just went along and was picking the fruit. Probably all the time she's picking the fruit, she's looking at that one tree she ain't allowed to have. Sometimes... When our eyes go there, the enemy will show up. And he says, you ought to have that. You'll be like God. Think about what Satan did. He beguiled her. He tricked her. 
He used craftiness. You know that same thing's going on today. If you entertain the flesh, the lust, did you know Satan will show up and he'll draw you into it. You'll begin to make excuses. Oh, it looks good for food. Looks good for this. Looks good for that. You know what? It's no different than it was then. Don't blame Eve because Eve's no different than you and I. Then it talks about the last part. It says, 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you. Now listen to this. You ain't, ain't going to like what I'm going to read, but it's true. That if any would not work, neither should he eat. Wow. You mean that's in the Bible? Yeah, these, these free food programs constantly causing people to say, I don't want to work. Just send me the money. Just, you know what? Instead, just send a little money to Kroger's and have them deliver it. Because I don't even want to go get it. I'm going to tell you something. We're getting softer and softer and softer. And who we're getting soft on, the enemy is saying, yeah, give it all up. Give it all up. Don't do nothing for yourself. Don't you know we're under the curse of working for a living? Hey, I can't help it. Sometimes I go to work and I think to myself, I worked all day long and I'm wore out. And my wife took all the money and spent it. <laughs> but can I tell you something? That's what God put us here and that's part of this that happened right there. Just praise God you're healthy enough to walk through that day. And go tomorrow and say, guess what? It ain't about my labors of what I'm doing here. I deserve, if I get a job, Larry used to say it, I get to go to work. I don't have to go to work. I get to go to work. And praise God, he gives me health to do what I got to do. We got to look at the right side of this and quit listening to the whiners. Because the whiners will make you constantly complain. They owe me this. They owe me that. I ought to get more. I ought to get more. No, you don't need more. You just need more of God. And make up your mind, whatever I got to do to live, I'll do it. I would rather, I, I used to think to myself, God, if I just went and just lived off welfare or something, I'm not picking at nobody because there's people that need help. And I'm not against that. But if I'm healthy enough to do that, but I'm willing to sit home, what do I tell my kids when they say, Dad, what would you do for a living? I say, well, I wash the car every once in a while. <laughs> Listen to me. It's a blessing. God gave us hope beyond this. Don't you know our hope's in him? Don't you know he puts hope inside of us no matter what this world puts us through? In Job 21, 26, they shall lie down alike in the dust and the worms shall cover them. See, that's what he said to him in 19. He said to him, In the sweat of thy face who eat bread, and thou shalt return into the ground, for out of it that was taken. For dust thou art, and dust thou shalt return. And here he's telling in Job, They shall lie down alike in the dust, and the worms shall cover them. Ecclesiastes 3.20, All go into one place. All are of the dust, and all turn to the dust again. 
I don't care how rich you are. I don't care how poor you are. I don't care how healthy you are or how unhealthy you are. Guess what? We're all going to lie down in the dust. You ain't going to beat it, and I'm not going to beat it. Only when God comes back. Only when he says, send, get the children, and bring them home. Then we'll know. One more. Becky, come on up, wherever you're at. The results of Adam's fall. I want you to hear this. Wherefore, listen to this one scripture in Romans 5.12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. Listen to me. Don't blame nobody else, but it came through Adam. It did. Adam was told right off the bat, you know what? God will have a tried people. If you claim that you're going to be a Christian and I'm going to walk for God... Guess what the enemy's doing? He set out war for you. He set out to stop you. But you have to say, God, you paid my price, and I can do this, and I'm going to walk for you. I'm going to do my best, and every time I fall down, I'm going to get back up and say, but I know God saved me, and he put me on the right path, and I couldn't save myself, so he forgave me, and he'll forgive me and put me back on the right path. He says, for wherefore as by one man sin in the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. There ain't nobody in here that didn't sin. We're all sinners. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The glory of God. You know, there's a message in that. I don't know if you understand it. But that wasn't just a mistake that it was written that way. Because the glory of God is so great. And for us to be, for Adam and Eve to be in the presence of God in the garden was the greatest gift. And I want to tell you something other. When you read at the end of this chapter, you read that God killed an animal to put skins to cover them. And I want you to know something. He couldn't be in the presence with the sinful people. So he covered them and he put them out of the garden. And I thought all them years, first wife, even after she had children, I thought, did Eve and Adam, when they started offering sacrifices or offerings to God, because that happened. Maybe through what God showed them, they began to make offerings to God. Do you think maybe they were standing near the entrance to the garden and remembering what it was like to walk with God do you think it was like that because sometimes I think you don't know what you got till you lose it you don't know what it's like when you cannot feel the presence of God again Christian listen to me you don't know what it's like until you've lost what God has blessed you with then you will stand. And I think they probably brought their offering right to the door of the garden where the, where the cherubims and the swords were flying. They couldn't go back in. But maybe God would give them another chance. Maybe God would have knocked those things down and let them go back in and have fellowship again. See, sometimes I see people that's been here years ago and they used to worship and praise God and they drifted out of church. 
They drifted away from God. Sometimes they'll come back. I don't know if you notice that, but I'll see people walk in sometimes, and I think I've saw them years ago, and I think, where have you been? Have you been on fire for God somewhere? But sometimes I think they go back to where they think God's presence is. I think maybe Adam and Eve did the same thing. Oh, God, we lost what we had. But God gave them another hope. See, through that 15th verse of the seed of the woman was going to come Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, to redeem and to restore. The only way of salvation, John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Praise God. He took my sin away. I can go back to be a little boy again, an innocent child again. I don't feel so innocent sometimes, but he promised me that I'm forgiven. I take my sin and I give it to him and he gives me his righteousness. Praise God. We are somebody because of Jesus. We are nobody without him. Everybody stand if you will. I know this is a different message. But it's a message about our beginning. The enemy thinks to tell you, oh, you live in a different generation. You live in a different time. We got so much technology and wisdom and science and knowledge. We don't even need God no more. You know, even back when our parents were young, they prayed for the crops that they were growing. They prayed for their tobacco crops because they were trying to get enough food to live. They prayed for everything. Why? Because they were dependent upon God to bless them with rain and the land and the fruits to grow, vegetables. But we don't think about stuff like that no more. We're too smart for God. We don't need him no more. We do need him. We need him more than we ever need him. And the worst person on the earth is the one that doesn't know they need him. You're at someone that's in trouble. When you find out you need him, listen to me, that's the very grace and the mercy. accepted Christ. The only way to get rid of your sin, I don't care what it is, the only way is to surrender. Lord, I won't hide it. You don't have to tell me nothing but tell him, because he already knows. Tell him, say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for everything I've needed. And Lord, I forsake all those things. And I repent and I forsake it all. I don't want nothing to do with that no more. I want to be the new man you want me to be. God will save you and set you free. And he'll begin to open up your eyes to the truth. And you'll begin to fall in love with Jesus. And you might even act like one of us sometimes. You might act one of these, like one of these people who just gets all shouting and happy, throwing your hands in the air, and you're wondering, what in the world? Why don't they stay in their seats? They got seats. I heard Dad 
went to one church one time. He told me, he said, somebody made a statement to the pastor. You don't need them chairs in there. They stayed up the whole night. But the truth is, this is exciting. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was nobody, but Jesus saved me. And that's what he's still trying to do today. So you come while they sing.
Are you making a promise today? I got a promise made to my mom and dad. I'm going to see them in heaven. Randy, going to see your mom and daddy in heaven. Jessica, Patty, Kathy. We got loved ones that went on. We, we complicate this gospel, but it's simple. The enemy's the one that complicates it. He's the one that tells us we're no good. We're not making it. But God says, I paid the price. The work is done. It's finished. I can't imagine not seeing them again. I can't imagine the, God, the godly people that's walked through this church and has very different places of not seeing them again. Been around God's people, the greatest family there is, family of eternity. Praise God. Be ready. Don't let the circle be unbroken. It's not your works. It's just coming to Jesus. Surrendering to Him. Make a promise to your children. Make a vow to them. I'll see you in heaven. If you don't see me again, I'll see you in heaven. Because none of us know what our tomorrow holds. Praise God.